What's up everyone, good morning. Welcome to our Sunday morning online Water's Edge worship experience. Once again, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. For those of you that continue to tell your friends and family about these services and you share these links with them, thank you so much for doing that. We hope it helps them out. People are tuning in from all over the place. Also, for those of you that continue to give online, thank you so much for your generosity. It helps us love more people and help more people and serve more people and feed more people. It helps us be a blessing to this community. Thank you absolutely so much for that. You know, sometimes people in our life, whether aware or unaware, whether intentional or unintentional, can cause you and I deep hurt and great pain, a lot of heartache in our life. And so sometimes in order to get our life back on track, we've talked about how we have to do a few things. The first thing is this, sometimes we have to forgive. And we pointed this out, to forgive thoroughly, you have to take payback off the table. Last week, we talked about humility and how we always have to ask the question, in what area of my life and my relationships requires humility and what would a humble person do? And so today we continue with our February series entitled Reassemble, How to Restore Broken Hearts from Broken Relationships. And in this series, I think we've learned a few things. I know that I have, like uh, things that can be very helpful when dealing with issues, tension, confusion, heartache pain, how we reassemble, how we relate to each other, specifically how we deal with unmet expectations and the hurt that you and I have and the resentment that you and I have over unmet expectations. For instance, we learned some things like this. A part of our transformation in God and a part of our transformation in Jesus is for you and I to become a person of happiness and joy. You know, all throughout the text, all throughout the narrative of the New Testament, we see that people who truly loved Jesus and followed God, that their life was sort of magnetic to this world. It got the attention of this world and people wanted to know why they were so different. I don't know about you, but I really don't want to be like people who aren't happy. But there was something about these early believers in Jesus that was just full of joy and peace and rest and happiness that made the rest of the world curious as they watched them live. And so your happiness in this life and your joy in this life is not overrated to God. God wants you to be a person of joy and happiness so we can make this world curious about our faith. And so, yes, you can be happy as you relate to other people. In fact, that's what should be our normal for us. But the sad truth is this, that many people today, they're not happy and they're living in misery. And this is why, this is something else that we learn because either their loneliness is making them unhappy or the tension and the exhaustion that they have in their relationships are making them unhappy. And so either they don't have peace with themselves and because of that, they're not happy or they don't have peace with other people and because of that, they're miserable on the inside. We also talked about how many relationships is like a game of tug of war. It's like a game of keeping score. It's a debt relationship. It's a you owe me relationship. And this type of relationship always produces resentment. It always kills closeness. It always destroys love. And so because of that, we talked about the solutions. How do we keep from turning our desires into expectations? How do we keep from turning that relationship that we're in or the relationships that we have from the type of relationships that keep score? I did this for you, what are you gonna do for me? How do we deal with the hurt that we have in our heart over unmet expectations? And how do we keep from letting our negative patterns hurt our relationships over and over and over again? And if we're starting over, if we're trying to reassemble our broken heart, how do we make sure that our next time doesn't look like our last time? And I think the solutions that we talked about have been pretty easy to understand, but many times hard to apply, and that's always true. 
Because if you're happy in this life, chances are you probably know some things that other people who aren't happy just don't know yet. And if you're happy in your relationships with other people, chances are you figure some things out yet that unhappy people just don't know yet. And we pointed this out. This is what you know. You know some very, very important things like a great relationship is never built on what you think the other person owes you, but a great relationship is actually a mutual competition of service. And this is how we defined mutual competition of service. It's when both people in the relationship Whatever type of relationship it is, both race to the end of the line and you give each other love without the expectation of getting paid back. You give each other service and encouragement without the expectation of getting paid back. And our example in this was Jesus. Jesus left heaven. He left the safety of his Father, presence of the Father, and he came here to be with us. And he died on the cross because he loved us with no guarantee that you and I would ever love him back or give him anything back, or serve him back. He took a risk, and he gave us everything without the expectation that we would give him back anything. And the Bible always says to love other people just as Jesus loved us. And so Jesus loved us with a sacrificial, no strings attached. It was a non-debt relationship. I give you myself, I give you my love, and I expect nothing back. And that's how we should love other people. After that, we also talked about the role of humility and forgiveness. We all enter into every different kind of relationship in our life with hopes, dreams, and desires. We turn those into expectations. And when our expectations are not being met, we have all this bitterness. And a lot of times we have to realize that only God can do for us what we're expecting other people to do. Many times we have hurt, pain, heartache, frustrations over these unmet expectations, and guess what? That's perfectly okay. But what's never okay is to release those frustrations, heartache, and pain onto the other people in our life. And so the question is, where do we take our hurts and our feelings and our frustrations and our heartaches? Well, when this happens, Peter says, humble yourselves, humble yourselves before God, and take it all to God. Take it all to Him. Take all of your hurts, all of your fears, all of your concerns, all of your dreams, all of your heartache, all of your anxieties, and humble yourselves and cast it on God. Why? Because Jesus is God and he can handle it and he loves you perfectly. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. And so today as we continue with this series, I want us to try to answer this question, and this is what it is. When my relationships have created grudges, resentment, and frustrations, what's the most crucial choice I can make that will create joy and happiness in my life? Because unfortunately, the people that love you the most in this life and the people that love me the most in this life have the potential to hurt you the most and to hurt me the most. And so a lot of times, you and I end up putting up the highest walls in our life with the people that love us the most. And so the question becomes, how do we start tearing those walls back down so we can have joy and happiness in that relationship again? Now, let me show you some very simple applications from the text. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. First John chapter 4, verse 8. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So when you and I know God, God starts to transform us into a person of love. 
The Holy Spirit is the spirit of love. He produces the fruit of the, and, and the evidence of love in our life. He lives on the inside of us, and he is literally turning us into a person of love who loves others and who radiates love. So if you don't love, then you don't know God because when God is inside of you, God is love. His love radiates out of you, and it changes you. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against such things. Now, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, and God is love. And so as the Holy Spirit works in our life, he's always transforming us into the person who loves. And so it's not something that we have to force ourselves to do as we walk with God, but it's literally who we're becoming. And so not only should people see this evidence in us, this evidence of love, people should see love, but they should also feel this evidence in us. Let me say that again because it's so crucial. Not only should people see the evidence of love in our life, but they should also feel the evidence of love in our life when they're around us. Makes sense. Now, the question becomes, if God is love and the Holy Spirit produces the fruit of love in our life, then what is Love. We have to understand that. Well, the missionary Paul answers that question for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient and kind. Are you patient and kind? If not, you're not loving. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. Are you jealous? Are you boastful? Are you proud? If so, then you're not loving. It does not demand its own way. Do you? Are you becoming a person of love? So Tony, how do I know? Are you patient? Are you kind? Do you let jealousy and pride and rudeness control you? Love is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. Do you? It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. Now, do you see where it says that love never loses faith and it's always hopeful? That literally means this, and notice this today. This is so important if you're still with me. Sam's still with you. Love always decides to believe and see the best in other people. Love is full of hope, and it doesn't easily lose faith in other people, which means love doesn't allow you to always assume the worst about the other people in your life. The old King James Version says this, love believes all things. Easily translated, love believes the best, not assumes the worst about the other people in your life. Let me say that again. Love believes the best. It doesn't assume the worst about the other people in your life, which means, again, and notice this, if you're still with me, so I'm still with you. Love is not something we fall in and out of. Love is something that we become as we follow Jesus. Let me say that again, because I made it up, and it's really awesome. You need to write this down. Love is not something that we fall in and out of. Love is something that we become as we follow Jesus. You will be patient. You will be good. You will be gentle. You will be kind. You will be joyful. You will be trusting when love is who you are and not just what you try to force yourself to do. So many times you and I have a hard time with love because we're not letting God transform us into a person of love. And then we put up walls 
we have hidden grudges and hidden unforgiveness and hidden resentment that resurfaces every now and then. We hold the other people in our life to standards that we never hold ourselves to. We lose our cult, we, we lose our cool when other people in our life do the same things that we do. We just think that we do them for better reasons, but we do the same thing. And we fall into this pattern of assuming the worst about the other people in our life. We assume the worst about the other people in our life when we make them feel like what they say isn't believable. When we make them feel like what they say is not what they mean, we assume the worst about other people when our first reaction is to correct them instead to try to understand them. We assume the worst about other people when we think that they may do to us what other people have done to us. We assume the worst when we don't believe their explanations for why they do what they do and when they mess up. We assume the worst when we keep a record of wrongs, and this eventually causes every single person in the relationship to put up walls, to get defensive, and to shut down. We keep our guard up. We don't communicate. We shut down. We get distant. Now listen, and remember this today. If you're still with me, Sam, I'm still with you. Most relationships break apart because that relationship is exhausting. Again, any kind of relationship. And a relationship becomes exhausting when there's more tension than peace. Let me say that again. Most relationships break apart when that relationship becomes exhausting, not when some big bad thing happens. And most relationships become exhausting when there's more tension than peace. And we have tension because we put walls up. And this is why. Because assuming the worst about the other people in your life will always put them on the defensive. And when people are on the defensive, they keep walls up. And when everyone has walls up, there's too much tension. And that tension causes exhaustion. There's no rest. And then it just crumbles because no one wants to hold on to what's exhausting. When my relationships have created grudges, resentment, and frustrations, what one choice, what one choice can I make to create joy and happiness in my life? Well, this is it. Notice this. If you're still with me, say I'm still with you. I can create happiness in my relationships when I decide to stop assuming the worst about the other person in my life, but instead, I place my faith in them and choose to believe the best about who they are and what they do. Now, if you've been hurt by other people, this is tough. This is a tough place to get to, but you will never have joy in your life if you do not let go of all the suspicion, all the jealousy, all the hurt, all the mistrust. Take a risk, love, and assume the best, not the worst, but believe the best about the other people in your life. Now, here's the deal. No one wants or needs to live exhausted, unpeaceful, tired, defensive. This breaks everybody down. Everyone needs peace and rest and hope and joy. This is why Jesus came. All of us need this. God created you and I for this. This is what love is. This is what the fruit of the Spirit is. And so I want to leave you with a question and then a story. Here's the question. Will you be the source of rest and peace for the other people in your life. As you relate to and love the other people in your life, are you a source of frustration and tension for them that's exhausting to them? Or will you be that source of safety and peace and rest for them? Remember, there's one thing that people will remember about you and one thing only, and that's how you made them feel. Now, a story. 
several years ago when I pastored in Starks, I met this man who was just a great, great friend of mine. He came to church. We hit it off. We became really, really close. He was in his 70s. 20 years earlier when he was in his 50s, him and his wife, she developed this muscular disease that just left her crippled and she couldn't do anything for herself. She couldn't feed herself. She couldn't give herself a bath. She couldn't put her clothes on. She couldn't take care of herself. She couldn't give herself medicine. And so by the time she was 52 in this marriage, her husband, a friend of mine who had came to church in his 70s, had been taking care of her for 20 years. I would go over to their house. I would visit with them, have coffee with them, have lunch with them. She continued to get sicker and sicker. He continued to take care of her. He waited on her day and night. He loved her. And then she passed away. We did her funeral. He was devastated. And I remember going to his house for several years after that, every week, just to check on him and just to have coffee with him and hang out with him. And I've seen a lot of older couples go through things like this. And every time one of the uh, people in the marriage would finally pass away, you could sense that the other person was deeply heartbroken. But there was also this deep sense of rest that would come over them because this long process of losing their loved one was so exhausting. And so they were deeply heartbroken, but almost like this relief came over them that the battle is finally over. But that's not what happened to this man. Until he passed away, every time I would talk to him, he would weep in his hands, face in his arms, and he would say, I want her back. And I would take her back just like she was. I just want her back. I just want her back. He loved her. And he entered into that relationship with hopes, dreams, and desires. And when she got sick and she became crippled, none of those expectations could ever be met. And he loved her and he served her when she could do nothing back from him. And when she passed away, all he wanted was her back. When I spent time with him, I learned what love is. That's love. That's hope. That's happiness. That's joy. That's Jesus. I hope this has helped you out today. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we cannot wait to see you back next week.